the Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 9, going down through 16. Uh, we finished up at 9 last week, so we'll kind of get ready to start and start at verse 9. But the Apostle Paul writes, If we found in him, not having a righteousness of my own when it comes to the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have. So, Lord, pray. Father, God, thank you for your word. Uh, God, we thank you for the way that it, uh, even as we uh, look into this passage, God, the way that you uh, you explain how you are working in our hearts and lives. God, you have shown us salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Then you tell us about how uh, we are to live in the light of who Jesus Christ is, but not just that, but you, you walk us through what that looks like. Um, Lord, we thank you for your clarity uh, on these subjects. We thank you that you have encouraged us by showing us um, the the um, God, the high calling that we have in, in that's all of the Jesus Christ, but also um, the, the realistic nature of our our uh, fallible lives and how uh, as we as we walk um, the ways that we fall short and all those things that come along, yet your mercy and your grace is with us um, through them all. So, Father, we ask that as we open your word, that you use it for um, that very thing, that you convict our hearts uh, as we read it. God, that you would um, point us towards uh, your Son, Jesus Christ, what he has accomplished in our lives, what he expects of us, uh, what he is working in our lives to accomplish, uh, and that, God, we would live in a way that honors you as, as we've already read in, in the book of Philippians, that we would live in a way that is worthy of the gospel. Father, we pray for revival in our homes, in our individual lives. We pray for it in our church, in the churches in Blount County. We pray for it in our community. We pray for it in our country. And we ask that you would move even throughout the world. That you would awaken um, hearts and minds in our time. That you would turn them from sin and self turn them to Jesus Christ. God, that you would change hearts, that they would recognize the love that they are supposed to show towards you, uh, and the love and service they are supposed to show towards their neighbors. God, work among us. Uh, help us to be lights to the gospel. Take that message um, as, as we go through our lives. Work in family and in, in 
community. You know, wherever we are, let us make disciples of you. We thank you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are jumping in from where we were last week, um, closing out there in verse 9. So we read this verse 9 again. It talks about the, we talked about the unsurpassable worth of knowing Jesus Christ last week, right? We talked about how all that other stuff that comes along, uh, all those other things that we might find righteousness in somehow are worthless, they are dumb, next to um, knowing Jesus Christ. And so Paul said in verse 9, I want to be found in him, right? I want to be found in Jesus Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. We talk about that idea of alien righteousness, something that is outside of us, that is applied to our life, the righteousness that is found in Jesus Christ and that we access by faith. Okay? And so we talked about that last week, about knowing Jesus, but we sort of elaborate on that in this passage here. Um, what does it mean to know Christ? And maybe how can we know him better? How can we know him closer? How can we know him more fully, more truly? That's probably, I hope the case is, that's what we all want. As followers of Jesus, we want to know Christ better. We use the phrase in our prayers here a lot. We talk about the idea of being conformed to the image of Christ. And that's what we want to be. We want to be people whose lives are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so probably the case is we all played with Plato when we were kids. And probably if you were like me, you had some little molds, right? You had these little forms that you would use when you're playing uh, with with Play-Doh. I had a Star Wars set that we still have somewhere that I cut it. Like it is, it's just this great little, and it's the kind that you put Play-Doh on each side and you push them together and smash them. And then you have these little figures. I had Luke, I had a, uh, a Dark, I had an R2, I had a Yoda, I had all these different ones. But this is what you would notice those little molds is if you just sort of haphazardly put some Play-Doh in there and kind of open and close them, the guy that would come out didn't look a lot like what you were shooting for, right? Didn't look much like the image of the mold. Then what actually ended up happening is if you wanted your loop to look like the loop in the mold, there had to be some pressure. You had to kind of make sure you got the, the Play-Doh pressed in and really into all the little... Um, places, the crevices, or whatever. Then when you close the thing, you had to make sure there's enough pressure on it to, to seal it together and make it look like the mold. Alright? There's a similarity there of knowing Jesus being formed in his image and, and being formed into that mold. We want to be pressed into Jesus, right? We want to be pressed into Jesus to the extent that when you pull us away, we look like Jesus Christ, that we take on his true shape. But just like with that Plato, there are some things that have to happen. Um, there has to be pressure. There has to be diligence applied for us to take on the true image of Christ. That's what Paul wants in this passage. Paul is, is desiring to know Christ and know him fully. And so he basically sort of walks us down this path of what it looks like to uh, seek after Christ's lives. It begins for, in verse 10 with this high calling that we have towards 
being united in Jesus Christ. In fact, such a high calling that as we read it, we may even think to ourselves, and I, I don't know if this is attained. I'm certainly sure that it's maybe something that I have not lived out to its fullest in my life. Because what's Paul say he wants? He says, verse 10, that I may know him. Okay? I want to know Christ. What does that look like? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So here's the question. What does God want from you? What does God ask of you? In a very general sense, we could say, well, he wants you to know him. And he wants you to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Right? That is to say, he wants you to pursue, as we, once we have trusted in Christ, we've been regenerated, we've been converted, we've been saved, we've been welcomed into a new relationship, empowered by the Holy Spirit with God. Then what do we pursue now? We pursue this thing that he calls, in verse 14, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? So you can say this, was God one of you? He want, He's calling you upward. That's what God is doing. He's always following you upward. He's calling you upward into knowledge, upward into faithfulness, upward into devotion, upward into love, upward into faith, up, always, right? He's always wanting you to uh, lean into him more, to attain higher into him, to grow in stature in keeping with Jesus Christ. So here's the deal, man. You read passages like verses 10 and 11, and I don't know about you, but what strikes me immediately is that, that the Christian faith is decidedly not laid back. Okay? Like it is not a laid back kind of faith. When Paul is saying that I want to share in Christ's sufferings and become like him in his death. Right? Jesus saves us, and it is not time for us now to just sort of be like, cool, man, like let's just chill. That's not the picture that we see in the scriptures. Okay? Jesus is calling us to something um, incredibly difficult at a level. There's a misuse of grace that we have all the time where we take the grace that we've been shown in Jesus Christ and we use it to become complacent. We use it to become stagnant. We sort of say, you know what, I, I've I believe in Jesus and I'm kind of following him and that's probably good enough. That's never the picture that we see in the scriptures. Jesus is always calling us up. He's always calling us to greater and greater levels of faithfulness. So when we read a passage like this, it seems, maybe you're, maybe you're different. Maybe you're saying, no, I actually, I'm living this thing out. I'm, I'm sharing in Christ's sufferings like a chain. Um, but it seems impossible to me to read a passage like that and to stay stagnant in our mindset. Stay stagnant in our seeking after Jesus. Because how Paul talks about the means and the ends of knowing Christ, even if it's, it's daunting, and the only reason why we're not crushed by that kind of acts that God's saying, this is what I want you to do, the only reason why it's not crushing is because of the things that we talk about he was so oblivious to where basically he says, you're supposed to work out your own salvation with fear of trembling, but it is God who is working in you to accomplish these things, to will and to work these things in your life 
for his good pleasure. So the only thing that we look to, we look to say, man, I don't know, I don't know how I can live up to what you were calling me to here, Jesus. And the answer is, you can, if God is the one who is working those things in you, and he is, and he is calling you into this greater level of faithfulness. But like, let's look at those phrases one by one, okay? Paul says he wants to know the power of Christ's resurrection. So the Bible teaches this, and this is something really incredible, that the power that it takes to make us holy is the same power it took to raise Christ from the dead. Isn't that a crazy thought? That the power that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power, the necessary power that will be at work in us if we are ever to be made into the people that God has called us to. That to conform our crooked hearts to the image of Christ is such a huge task that it takes such a huge power. And that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The only power great enough is the power that resurrected Christ. So we see this idea pop up in different places of just a few weeks ago. In our prayer time on, on the first Sunday of the month, we read the prayer that Paul prays to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3. And he says this, he said, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. All right, it's the same power we're talking about. Strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. To what end? So that you may dwell so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So again, what's the what's the picture there? He's saying, Church of Ephesus, I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to know the love of Christ. The only way that you can do that is if the resurrection power of Jesus is working in your life. That's the only way you're ever going to reach that, attain it. Okay? And so Paul said, I want to know that power. I want to seek it out. I want to, if I want to know Jesus, and I want to know the power of his resurrection as he's working in my life. To know God fully will require that same level of power that raised Christ from the dead. Moreover, he says, I want to share the sufferings. Back in chapter 1 of Philippians, we talked about walking worthy of Jesus. Verse 29 of chapter 1 said, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Right? It was granted to you that you should believe in him, but also suffer for it. Paul understands that following Christ means following him wherever he goes, even into suffering. And Paul welcomes that. Not because he's some sort of weirdo masochist and he enjoys suffering, but because Paul understands that to follow Jesus means following him to everything. But also that in following Jesus and suffering, we will end up learning things about Jesus and sharing things with Jesus that we never would have known otherwise. So again, I don't know about you, but I would love to just sort of like coast through, through this Christian life. I would love for everything to just be blessings and growth and ease and, and closeness and all those things. That'd be great. It would just be great. But the truth is, 
There are things that you will never learn without suffering. There are things that you are never going to grow in unless you can experience that suffering and more importantly probably trust Jesus in the midst of that suffering. It's the only way you're going to grow in things. So Paul says, if that's what it takes to grow, if that's what it takes to know Jesus, then I'm all in. I will suffer whatever if the consequence of that suffering is me knowing Jesus better and being more shaped in his image. To the extent that he even says, I want to become like him in his death. So whether that means taking up the cross figuratively in terms of hardship and suffering, or whether it literally means taking it all away and dying for his faith, then Paul again says, I want to follow in the footsteps of my master. Jesus did this. Jesus followed this thing all the way through to the end, and if that's what is required of me to know Jesus truly, then that's what I want. It is a better thing, just like we said last week, right? What is everything else in the world compared to knowing Jesus? Everything else is nothing. That includes your well-being. That includes your life. Everything else is secondary compared to knowing Christ. Paul says, I'm willing to sacrifice any of these things, to follow him to any extent if I could just know him better. And then he said this weird kind of phrase that makes people nervous sometimes. And that by any possible means, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That makes it sound like his attaining the resurrection is in jeopardy, but that's not the way he means it. He means basically the same thing, that by any means, I might arrive at the resurrection. So it's 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 going to happen, okay? The, the resurrection is something that is going to happen to Paul as a believer. But he says, I'm going to get there, right? And if the path to there ends up going through suffering, then, then I'm okay with that. And that brings a conundrum into our, our lives. Because the reality is this. You don't know many people who have lived like this, right? Who have lived up to that standard, who have embraced suffering that way, who have sought to be like Christ in his death. We don't see it around us in our particular Western, you know, nice house, built glass, uh, Western lives. We don't see it played out in the same way that we might in other, in other places. And we might even look to it and say, man, there's no way that I don't even see a model of this in, in around you. I, and I certainly don't believe that I can live up to this. I don't know anybody who's devoted themselves to God to the level that that Christ is always to here. But here's an interesting thing is, you know, who also has not lived up to this? It's Paul. Paul says, I have not lived up to this either. I have not attained this either. Verse 12, he says, Not that I have already attained this, for I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Okay, so what's Paul pointing to? He's saying, when I talk about what I want, when I talk about knowing Christ this deeply, I don't want you guys to think that I am claiming to have already achieved it because I haven't achieved it yet either. Paul says, I'm not there yet. I'm still working on these things and trying to press into Christ and, and uh, work towards these things. Because what we always have to do in the Christian life, we always have to do this, this weighing 
between this goal of the incredibly high standard of faithfulness, which in a sense is perfection, right? You hear people a lot of times say, I'm not saying that the Bible says you have to be perfect, and the answer is, no, it does, right? That's the, that's the goal. We are shooting towards perfection, all of us, okay? We've been made perfect in Christ, and now we are trying to live in perfect obedience to Christ. The key is this, is none of us are there yet. Paul's not there yet. Every single one of us is a work in progress when it comes to these things. And so, yes, while perfection is, in a, in a sense, the goal, we do aim at complete faithfulness in our actions, complete devotion in our hearts to, to Christ. Nevertheless, we recognize that in this life, we're probably not going to get there. We want to fulfill that upward call. We always want to be heading in that direction. And yet we know that the reality is, is while perfection is the final destination, we have no expectation of actually getting to that destination in this life. And Paul didn't either. And I think Paul would say, you shouldn't follow Paul, you shouldn't follow me, or as we talked about in the last few weeks, he would say, you shouldn't follow Timothy, you shouldn't follow Epaphroditus. They never present those people as gurus. Okay, they're never ascended masters who have got it all figured out. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Paul's never looking at it saying, I'm the guy who's achieved total oneness with Christ or something like that, and therefore you should follow me. It's never the picture. No, Paul instead says, hey, um, I'm a traveler on this road just like all the rest of you. And yes, I may be a little further down the trail, but at the end of the day, um, we are all on the same path, and we are all working towards the same goal, and none of us is there yet. And the truth is, we all have the potential to stumble and fall and, fall and, and come up short in this calling, this upward calling we have in Jesus Christ. And so the Christian life, you could say, when we're thinking about sanctification, when we're considering this process by which we become more like Jesus, the process by which we are molded into Jesus, the measuring stick for that is not really ever perfection. The measuring stick is progress. Right? Are we growing in these things? Or are we standing still? Growth is the measuring stick. Not we've arrived at something, but are we moving closer to Christ at all times? Even if that's incremental. Is the trajectory of our lives pointed towards Jesus? And are we moving in that direction our entire lives? Or are we stagnating, plateauing, living off the things that we have already attained to in the Christian law and counting that as good enough? Because here's a cool little word. Um, I throw in a little, a little Greek idea for you here. Uh, so he talks about this idea that we are to press on towards Jesus. Right? He uses it two times. Okay, he said that I'm going to press on uh, following Jesus. The, uh, the Greek word is this little word, dioko. All right? So obviously it has, the, has the, uh, the image of following after somebody, pursuing after somebody, pressing forward after somebody. But here's an interesting thing about the word. It also has the context of persecution. So the same way you might press forward on something, it also has the idea of persecuting that thing. Now, what does that mean? Okay, maybe a way of using it, changing the verbiage a little bit into our modern 
um, parlance. So what if I were to say to you, now I just want you to seek after this thing. I want you to count it, right? I want you to hunt it down. That's the attitude that I want, want you to have, okay? Because that's the sense of the work. Yeah, it does mean press on toward or follow after, but it's a little heavier than that. It's like, no, 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 you're tracking this thing down to, to, to capture. And what is the thing that he's, he's doing? He's tracking down sanctification. So when we read that word, I think probably pressing on for some of us probably almost has more of like a, a plotting resignation. Right, so you're sort of like, oh well, you know, I've done some things right, I've messed up sometimes, but I guess just pressing on, trying to press on, just you know, get closer to Jesus. That's not that's not the, the sense of the word. The sense is hunting down, right? I'm hunting sanctification down. I'm seeking after it. I'm not just accidentally stumbling towards it. I it is my focus, and I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to catch it. One day. It's something, sanctification is something that we're speaking after, hunting after. Of course, there's going to be dips and setbacks. Almost certainly there's going to be those things. But the key is, is that we've got our eyes set on Jesus and pursuing him, seeking after him, and that's the way we're going to live. So if progress is the goal, right? Not perfection. Again, and we do this all the time. Like we, we look at our own lives and sort of say, oh, I mean, you know, I see a standard in the Bible and I haven't, I haven't achieved that yet. So then I must not, God must be working. I must be saved. Something's wrong or these kind of things like that. But if progress is the goal, then we need to live in a way that facilitates that progress. Okay. That encourages us in that progress. Something that takes away the pitfalls that will keep us from progressing. And moving towards Jesus Christ. And that's kind of what he does in the end of the passage. He continues to talk about his own um, sort of path of sanctification. But he said this. He says he's made three little uh, attitudes that we should remember as we're seeking after sanctification. Second half 13, verse 14. He says, there's one thing I do. One thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and streaming forward to what lies ahead. I press on, there's that word again, towards the goal for the prize upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? So here's the first thing that Paul says. He says that we are going to make progress to goal. We're going to make progress to standard in Christ to goal. And the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to be able to forget the past and not slow down. Reality is, is you can't change the past. There are things that you wish you could go back and undo. There are things that you wish you could unsay. Actions that you wish you could take back. You will wish that you hadn't acted towards your spouse in a certain way. You will wish that you had not said that thing to the person you love. You will wish that you had been there for that friend when you weren't. But listen, because here's the reality in every single one of those situations. You cannot change the past. There are few things in this world that will stumble you up more in your forward progression than getting stuck in the past. So you say, well, Ash, you know what I did. 
right? You don't know what happened. And I would say, no, but God does. And God says when we mess up, we confess, we repent. If there's an opportunity to, we make amends for those things, although that's not always possible. And then we let it go and we move forward. Because that's all that you can do. So you know what? It's possible you can fix things. And sometimes that happens, right? Sometimes things get messed up and you've done something wrong and you can go and fix it. You can go and apologize. You can go and rectify. You can go and fix it. That feels awesome when that is the case. And you know what? Sometimes the case is things can't be fixed. And it is tragic when that happens. And we just look back and we say, it's, it's, it's over and it's done with and there's nothing to be done about it now. But again, in either case, all we can do is move forward. You can either stop and stay where you're at and not press on, not pound sanctification, not move forward and seek after Christ and stagnate, or you can let go, forget what's behind, and press on. So in my years uh, in youth ministry, by the time I was coming into youth ministry, I'm in my mid-20s, these kids are 15, and we had this one thing that we bonded over, and that was pop punk music. Okay, and so all of a sudden I hit this little stage where I was like, I was just still cool enough to like the cool music that was out or whatever, and there was a lot of cool pop punk bands at that time, particularly the Christian ones, and there was a band that called Reliant K, and I still to this day love Reliant K, and I think they're the best pop punk band ever, way better than lots of secular um, bands or whatever, right? They've got this great song called Forget It, Not Slow Down. So there's a little line in the song that goes like this. He says, because I could spend my whole life trying to sift through what I could have done better, but wouldn't be do what ifs. I'd rather forget and not slow down than gather regret for things I can't change now. If I, if I become what I can't accept, then resurrect the saint from within the wretch, or over me and wash my hands of it. Right? That's it. That's exactly, it's funny, because as I'm reading this passage, there's about half a dozen Reliant K songs that are about this first. And I'm like, these guys probably were dealing with all the same issues that many of us did with. They were looking back at their past going, gosh, I, I, I've done all this stupid stuff. I've messed up so many things. What do I do? How do I press on? How do I move forward? How do I let go of the past and, and, and pursue after Christ? The answer is, we do exactly that. We leave the past in the past. We forget and we don't slow down. We keep on moving towards Jesus. Ask God to cleanse you of your sin. Creating you a clean heart. And in the power of the Spirit, do better next time. We keep moving forward. Alright, so that's the first thing. Forget and don't slow down. C, or B, there's this idea of maturity. Right? That if we are going to be sanctified in this way. We're going to seek after Christ. We have to have a mature attitude about these things. So verse 15 says, let those who are mature think in this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Think in what way? Well, I think he's talking about the things that he's been telling us already. Paul's saying, people who are mature get what I'm talking about. People who are mature in the faith get what I'm talking about. They get that we have to press on. They get that to sit and to stagnate is a front to Jesus Christ. We can't do that. We have to be moving forward in our calling. They also get that people mess up. Lots, right? They make bad decisions. They act rashly. They act out of fear. They act out of pride. 
They act out of self-interest. We've already heard Paul talk about these other factions that are in Rome who are, who are seeking after what's good for themselves, even in the midst of Paul's, um, even in the midst of his imprisonment. And you know what the only thing to do is? Is if you're the one who has sinned, to repent and press on. Or if you're the one who's been sinned against, the only thing to do is to forgive and press on. Keep moving forward. He says, mature people think this way. This is what mature Christians, how they deal with these issues. Because the reality is we've all been in probably your cage stage of, of Christianity at some point. Uh, sometimes when believers are young and they're all full of beans, everything is black and white, everything is, you're either in or you're out on, on various issues. There's this out-of-balance attitude towards sin and sanctification and perfection and all these different things, right? Um, and here's the deal. That passion that you see in a young believer in those things is commendable. That's a good thing. We should be passionate about the upward call to Christ Jesus. Right? That's worthy of our passion. But at the same time, passion isn't the problem. It's the naivety of the way fallen people respond, of understanding human weakness, understanding human fa- failures. That's the problem. Passion's not the problem. It's lack of mercy and grace that's the problem. I wish we could hold on to both of those. We're not very good at that, right? We seem to like our passion fades and we get a little more mature in our, our mercy and grace, but then... It's, it's like we can't hold those two things at the same time, and I think probably we're supposed to. So to be passionate for holiness, but to be equally merciful in failure, both to those who have sinned around us, and maybe sometimes even to ourselves when we can't seem to let go of the ways that we have failed in the past. At least to be as merciful as God has been to us, that should be planned. To forget, you don't slow down. Mature in these attitudes. And then here's the other thing. But you know what? Don't, don't backslide. Okay? He says in verse 16, at least only, let us hold true to what we have attained. So you've matured to a certain point. You've grown to a certain point. You have, uh, uh, you've matured into the faith to a certain point. And don't use that moment as a way to justify um, not doing anything else, right? A way to justify saying, yeah, well, I've gotten to this certain point, and I'm a pretty decent person, and, like, I'm not doing anything that bad, and I'm serving this, whatever, you know. I think I can probably just pause here, and that'll be good. That's not the way the picture is. But also, we shouldn't use this as an excuse to somehow fall backwards, right? Eh, well, you can forget and not slow down. So, you know what, we'll just dabble back into the old sins and the old patterns that we had in our past. So Paul said, I don't want you to do that. Don't take this mercy as license. If you attain, and again, it's sort of goofy to picture it this way, but if you've gotten up to step 12 in Christianity, then don't be like, cool, I'm going to dabble back in step 10 for a little while. Just do some things that I used to do, right? That's not that's not the picture. He says, whatever level you've attained to, don't backslide. That's a word that Man, you used to hear all the time. You grew up in a Baptist church, backsliding was the word. Okay? Like, there's a lot of talk about backsliding. Don't be a backslider. Don't, that, you know, you, you make a commitment to Christ, you're living it out. Okay, don't be a backslider. Don't fall back into this. But you know what? Don't be a backslider. Okay? Don't achieve through the power of the Spirit working in you a certain level of obedience and faith, a certain level of maturity, and then sort of be like, cool, I can take a little break and, and, and go back.
back into my old life and go back into my old habits. Don't do that. Don't fall back into things that you've moved past. Don't backtrack. Don't make old failures new again. Right? We all look back at those old failures and like, man, I wish I'd never done those. And then all of a sudden we decide, maybe I could do it a few more times. Right? Maybe I could just play with this, you know, and, and, and dabble in this and just a little bit more. Because I know I can jump back up and get back to where I was real quick. It'll be fine. Paul says, no. Hold true to what you've attained. That's what sanctification looks like. So again, put all those things together, right? We are working in the power of the Spirit to follow Jesus Christ and follow Him radically. The things that Jesus asks of us are heavy and incredibly difficult and impossible in our own power. And yet, because we haven't reached those things yet, we're not meant to despair, but we're meant to say, I am moving forward. I haven't attained these things yet, but my trajectory is set, and I am heading towards Jesus Christ. And will I attain these things in this life? Probably not. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forget things in the past and not slow down. Um, I'm going to pursue maturity the way I think about these things. And I'm going to, once I get to a certain level, I'm going to try my best not to backslide into those other things. I'll close with just this little illustration. It's one I've shared before. It's one of my favorite scenes in the Chronicles of Narnia. And so there's a scene in, I think it's in Voyage of the Dawn Treader. There's this little mouse named Reed Chief. Remember Reed Chief, right? And he is, he is just sold out to Brazil, right? He's always talking, he's making bold statements for Aslan, and he's just saying, man, I am, I'll do anything for Aslan, and he's, he's guarding Aslan's honor and all these different things. Um, and, and various things happen to him over the course of the story, but towards the end, there's this beautiful picture where he says, they are sailing their boat, and they're heading towards the, the eastern sky, Right? And that is where Aslan is. Aslan's country is far to the east, and so it's off the map. They nobody's ever been there, right? You just keep on sailing your boat that way. And and people decide, hey, we're gonna go back. Um, we we ended our adventure, and we're gonna go back to the mainland, to Narnia, where everybody, where we're from, and everything's cool. And Reaper Chief says, I'm gonna keep going. And he says, I'm going to get a little, it's, it's a great scene. I get a little, just a little bit emotional, right? He says, I'm going to get in my boat and I'm going to sail to the east. And when the, the, the boat is no longer seaworthy, I'm going to get in the, the, the rescue boat. I'm going to keep paddling east. And when that one falls apart, I'm going to grab a piece of wood and I'm going to float on it and I'm going to head east. And when that is waterlogged and disappears, I'm going to swim and I'm going to head east. And when all my strength's gone, and there's nothing left, whatever happens, I'm going to be pointed east. That's the picture that we have. As Paul says, I'm going to head towards Jesus Christ. There's going to be some pitfalls. Probably never going to get to the point that I actually would like to be at. Devotion, the level of faithfulness and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm never going to get there. You know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to head towards Jesus. My trajectory is going to be that way. Come with that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask Him that He would work that spirit in us, that we would be those kind of people.
that we would be people who are bases headed toward Jesus Christ. And if we would press them, still work for Father God, we thank you for um, the models and the examples that we have in Paul, the apostle. But we thank you that in his his devotion and passion towards you, that he has also shown us a picture of the honesty and humility of what it means to be a imperfect, fallen. That sometimes meandering, that sometimes slowing down, sometimes speeding up. God, we pray not backsliding, but we know we do. We pray not stagnating, and yet we know that there are times in our lives where we've done that. And yet, Paul honestly and transparently calls us forward, calls us on in that upward calling of Christ Jesus into greater faith, greater sacrifice, and greater service. God helps us be worthy of those things. Help us to live those lives in our, in our families, our marriages, in our communities, in our workplaces. God, let people see that example as we follow Paul and as he follows Christ. God, help us to, to set that example for those around us. Thank you. Praise you. Yes, it's in the Thank you.
So much better than that song it is in exact keeping with the things that we talked about uh, tonight. One of the things I love is that we've been singing that song for 1400 years, right? Uh, and, and the gospel is no different. In Christ, it's no different. And the upward call of Jesus Christ is no different. It's the same message that, that the church has, has been proclaiming um, since the first century. So uh, and it's the calling that is on our lives. So uh, we ask that God would move in us, shape us, and conform us to the image of Christ. Um, hope you have a great week. Um, see, I already mentioned that our, our, our new members were um, initiated, initiated uh, they promoted it, uh, uh, Chuck Finley and, and Stephen Denver Kirk um, have joined our uh, church. Uh, Kyle Anderson and, and Sam Gift are, have been nominated and elected as our. Uh, and, and more, not Have been elected as our uh, our elders, so we'll move forward in that and in coordination with some things over the next uh, coming weeks. So, uh, Aaron, our uh, children's director, had her baby on Friday. And so, uh, baby O.C. is here, um, six pounds, nine ounces, something in that range or whatever, but mom's healthy, baby's healthy, and everybody's, uh... I bet she was exactly what that baby. Do what? I said, I bet she was I'm sure if you got it. Another baby probably needs baby, baby, baby. So, but you can, you can, uh, send some, some text encouragements to settle down her way, and, uh, and she said... Uh, Lord willing, she'll be back in here probably pretty quick and she doesn't want to sit down. So she'll have a baby strap here for him and you want to have a baby in your kid that early, right? It's more than yeah. I get it. I know about things. Um anyway, hope you have a great week. Um just finish you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Take his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Turn his face towards you. It's it's his way.
Behind 